following is a live sermon from the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. We are a non-denominational congregation that meets in Fairfield, Connecticut. We serve Fairfield all the way through New Haven. For more information about our ministry, check us out online at sctcoc.org. Good morning, church. It's great to be here with you guys. My name is Patrick Genova. My wife and I, we lead the youth and family ministry here in the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. And uh, really excited to be with you guys this morning. And uh, I have a topic today that uh, I hope can encourage us, although it might start off sounding not so encouraging. Uh, but it's something I've been thinking a lot about lately, and it is called Surviving the Wilderness. So... Right now, the, the best way I can describe um, kind of our current existence is something I've been reading a lot about in the Bible is Exodus and the Exodus journey uh, through the desert and just how they were able to navigate it all. I mean, at first they thought it was going to be a short trip. Then it turned out to be a much longer trip. And it was just riddled with all of these kind of different um, temptations and hardships and different things along the way. And it was for 40 years you know, the Israelites spent in the desert. And, uh, you know, it's been tough. It's been tough for us. But can you imagine another, you know, 39 and a half years of this, right? What, what's been going on right now? I mean, it could, it, I couldn't imagine it, honestly. I wouldn't want to imagine it. You know, when you think about these like survival movies, we got, you know, Jungle, uh, the movie Everest, uh, 127 Hours, uh, Castaway, you know, that's Lamisha, one of Lamisha and I's favorite, you know, Wilson, Tragic Scene, uh, Life of Pi, uh, that was another great one. I mean, Apollo 13 is also uh, a movie of survival. And you just see like, man, they're hard pressed. This is hard times. And they, they find a way to, to band together and, and figure it out. Or if they're by themselves, they, they invent somebody to band together with and figure it out in the case of Wilson. Um, but you know, right now, although it might not be um, as physically challenging as like the elements and facing the wilderness, it certainly is a time of uh, spiritual wilderness and spiritual uh, survival uh, for many of us right now. And uh, I want to pick up uh, our story in Exodus. And, you know, the Israelites, they just left the desert of, of sin. And what do you think happened there? Some sin. Uh, they grumbled. This was like two months uh, after they left Egypt, they already start to grumble and complain. And, uh, you know, they didn't have water. And Moses is like, guys, this was in the Valley of Sin. Guys, you know, we just saw everything God did. He, of course, he's going to give us water. And of course, he's going to give us food. And so then this manna from heaven falls down. And, um, you know, not too long after that, they make their way to this, um, this the Rephidim Valley here. And uh, it doesn't get any better, honestly. You know, even though, you know, God has provided food from heaven, uh, they still so quickly forget. And, um, you know, as we talk about surviving the wilderness, and we're going to pick this story up here in the Rephidim Valley, um, you know, I think the first thing to, to making it through the wilderness is that we have to suspect the best in people. Now, I use that word suspect because often we suspect the worst in people sometimes, right? But when you're in the wilderness, where so much can go wrong and we're up against so much pressure, more than ever, I mean, even as, as a Christian in general, we should, but more than ever right now, we need to suspect the best in people. 
You know, one of the major undoings of the Israelites or the first, that first generation of the Israelites uh, in the wilderness was they just didn't suspect the best in each other. In Moses, they grumbled. Uh, they complained. They didn't see that they were really grumbling against God. And, and they really um, just weren't able to see kind of the good. And then, I mean, hey, you're in the wilderness. It is really, really tough. You know, it's harder to see the good. You have to strive uh, to see the good. You have to really work towards it. And, you know, in the case of Moses, who's trying to do the best he can, he's doing everything he could. And sometimes for us, too, we, we're trying to do the best we can. But people can still misunderstand us. People can still misunderstand our intentions, misunderstand our motivations. You know, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're, uh, you try to live upright or morally or not, you know, it, it, you'll still be misunderstood. And I think one of the hardest things in life is just being okay with being misunderstood, but also extending to people, you know, not inserting some kind of negative story when we have a misunderstanding, but really giving people the benefit of the doubt, really suspecting the best in people. So in Exodus chapter 17, verse 1, we'll pick up this story. Uh, like I said, we're in the Rephidim Valley here. And uh, Exodus chapter 17, verse 1, it says, The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children uh, and livestock die of thirst? And Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. You know, they, the Israelites had a, had a major misunderstanding. They said, Moses, why did you bring us up out of Egypt? It, it wasn't Moses that brought them out of Egypt. It was God. And God used Moses. And so with this misunderstanding, they become accusatory of Moses. And Moses, of course, cries out to God. God, in his grace and his patience, he actually gives them water out of a rock. But if you were Moses right now, how would you be feeling? You know, how would you be feeling? You, you think you're doing a good thing. You think you're helping. You think you're part of the solution. And um, people very quickly want to stone you. Now, I think, honestly, I think this was devastating uh, for Moses. And um, I... I Without his relationship with God, I don't know that he would have been able to withstand not only the desert, but also his own people uh, really hating him and, and wanting to kill him. And, and I know that about Moses because it's not his first time being misunderstood. And, and it's not his first time trying to do the right thing, but people placing kind of ill motivation on what he was doing. In Acts chapter 7, verse 25 Stephen, one of the first martyrs in Christianity, uh, before he's martyred, he gives this speech throughout the history of Israel. He kind of recounts it. He summarizes it. And in reference to, you know, something Moses did earlier, uh, this is what Stephen says. In Acts chapter 7, verse 25, he says, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. You know, Moses trying to do the best he could was hoping people would understand that he was coming from a good place. Hope that people understood that he was, he was trying his best to do the right thing. 
but people just didn't understand him. People just didn't want to embrace the fact that he could really be trying to do the right thing. <laughs> I don't know if you can relate. Just feeling misunderstood. Feeling like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not trying to say that. You think I'm saying that, but I'm not. And I think right now in our virtual world that we're living in, misunderstandings are compounded. I mean, you know, if you have a misunderstanding face to face that you can you can work through that. But now it's like virtual misunderstandings and telephone and text and uh, all, all these different things. Right. It can really lead to some uh, it, it's a it's an environment where misunderstandings can take place so easily. And if we're not careful, Satan can really use those misunderstandings to make us think ill of people, to make us think ill um, of each other. And we got to fight to not do that. We have to really suspect the best in each other. It's funny when Lamisha and I were in Spain, um, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of cultural differences uh, while we were living in Spain. And one of those was the amount of time uh, you spend together for meals. And, uh, you know, here in the States, we kind of say, hey, I have, I have uh, about an hour to grab some lunch with you. I can meet from, you know, two to three thirty, or I can, you know, and we kind of schedule it out. And, you know, in Spain, that comes across much more like, what is this, a business meeting? You know, you have to you have to put me in your schedule. <laughs> and if you don't, you know, spend at least, you know, two and a half, three hours or be willing to, uh, at the very least, it can it can come across like I'm I'm not that important to you. And we can place and, and it was a struggle for Lamisha and I, and I think for uh, some of my uh, Spanish brothers and sisters to to see the best in each other through some of these misunderstandings that we did want to spend time with you. But our value system was very uh, like based on efficiency, whereas a lot of their value system was based on just family. And let's who cares if it's three hours, four hours, but let's be a mess together. If you need to cry, let's cry together. And And here in our culture, it's like, well, how long can I kind of keep myself together and, and be polite and maybe two hours is my limit before I start breaking down, you know? So we, so that's when we want to leave. There it's like, no, let's just be messy together. And uh, I think there's, there's beauty in both, right? But these kind of misunderstandings can lead to inserting a story that's maybe not so charitable uh, towards the other person. You know, and I want to ask you today, do you suspect the best in others? when you have a misunderstanding with somebody. We have to be able to suspect the best in other people. We have to assume the best about each other. This is an interesting, I wanna read this passage. It's, one of, it's from a sin list. And uh, it's an interesting sin uh, that's mentioned here. And something that, um, I mean, it was a couple years back, it caught my eye. And I was like, wow, I never you know, really thought about that to this, to this degree. And so in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, verse three through four, we're gonna read this. It says, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing, right? So he's just saying like, look, sound instruction and, and believing in that, it is the truth and it, and it becomes clear. And so to not believe in the sound teaching when it's just, it's clearly obvious, you can, you can research, you can look it up. It also rings true uh, in our hearts. He's saying that there's something else at work there that's keeping you from understanding this message. But then he goes into a couple, uh, a couple aspects of, of the sinful nature. He says, they have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, 
malicious talk, and here's the interesting sin, evil suspicions. I thought that was very interesting, you know, evil suspicions being uh, sinful. And I, and I had to look it up, and basically it comes down to, you know, when, when somebody differs from you, or even when an opinion differs from you, is to, to assume ill of that person, to assume bad, something, you know, an evil suspicion, like a paranoia about why they did what they did, or, or why they said what they said. And it's, and um, it, it's, it's kind of like making a, a judgment, but a judgment that, um, you know, puts malice into that, like you think that they're being malicious, you know, and I just thought that was so interesting, because right now, and I don't know about you, but being home or watching the news or going on social media, um, you can get to a negative place. Uh, you can get to a dark place where you can see um, wrong so easily all around you. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because I was talking to Lamisha about this the other day. And when I, when I turn on the news or, or, you know, go online, I've had to put even boundaries with how much uh, social media I consume lately is like, I come away feeling like like we're like everything is really about to like it's about to be game over. You know, it is so dark. Satan is trying to work on our fears right now. Satan is trying to get us to be scared, to get us to think ill of each other, and we can't let him. Let's look with our own eyes. Let's let's look through this lens of Christ into the rest of the world. You know, my second point here in uh, surviving the wilderness. You know, the first, so first point, let's suspect the best in each other. Uh, my second point is don't do it alone. You know, to make it through the wilderness, we can't do it alone. You know, and if you're Moses in this case, all right, so you have, so, check, so let's, let's check this out. You have your own people who, in your mind, God used you to help them. And they're grumbling against you, not just grumbling against you, but they also want to stone you, all right? And now what's happening in this chapter is that you have a foreign army that's going to attack you. It's the Amalekites. So there now, you, you got people grumbling against you. Here comes a foreign, and they're, they're bad. They're, they're a raiding nation. Um, they raid to either steal and plunder, or they sometimes just do it for fun. And so they're like these, these bullies. And they're now coming to attack you guys. And you're in, the, you're in the wilderness. You just left, you know, captivity with very little. So this would be like if you're having, you know, a conflict with your friends. And then, um, you know, some other, some other friend group wants to attack you. Or it's like you're dealing with something within your family, like a personal situation. But then there's also a job situation that starts to take a turn for the worst. It's just these compounding negative kind of situations, right? You know, how would you be feeling right now? Maybe some of you understand exactly how Moses is feeling right now. So we're going to read in Exodus chapter 17, verse 10. It says, So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And so we see, we see what happens to Moses here. He says, As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. So we don't know if Moses' hands being raised actually was God 
you know, working through his hands being raised or whether it was, you know, since the Israelites knew Moses' special connection with God, if it was, um, you know, symbolic in nature. But regardless, it was very important for Moses to keep his hands raised. Uh, it had a material effect on, on, on the winning or losing of this battle. But here's the reality is Moses was not superhuman. You and me, we are not superhuman and we are subject to getting tired. We are subject to getting fatigued. And that is exactly what happened to Moses. His arms got tired. Can you relate to getting tired? Can you relate to your arms getting heavy and tired? Can your soul getting heavy and tired spiritually, feeling heavy and tired? This is where we need each other. When we are tired, when our arms are tired, this is where we need each other. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We got to carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. And some of us have greater burdens than other people. And we need to be willing to carry each other's burdens through this time. And we have to be willing to let others carry our burdens through this time. I mean, when, uh, when they went to go hold up Moses' arms, Moses wasn't like, ah, get off me, get off me, I'm good. He let them carry his burdens, right? And so we, we got to do a little bit of both. Let people carry our burdens and also go to carry other people's burdens because that's how we're going to make it through the wilderness. I'll tell you a quick story here. Um, when I was 11 years old, it was, it was an awesome experience. Uh, my dad took me on a 100-mile bike ride. It was to raise money and I don't know, being 11 years old, 100 mile bike ride. Okay, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, my dad definitely had a lot of uh, belief in me for sure. Anyways, uh, I'm on this uh, bike ride and uh, we get to this, uh, this 90 mile mark. Supposedly we we're at 90 miles and my legs just turned into jello. And I'm watching this van drive by and it's got all these people that they're picking up along the way and uh, because they, they quit, they stopped. And uh, I'm thinking I'm going to be one of them. It was kind of like a shameful, but they were, they were awesome. I mean, they drove by in the van, they were cheering us on. And, you know, in my mind, I just wanted to like finish, but I knew that my legs were rubber, you know, I couldn't even finish. And uh, I just remember, and it was such a cool moment uh, because, you know, for me, it's a reminder. It was, it, was, it was this moment where I'm riding, my legs are rubber and my dad just puts his hand on my uh, on the handlebars and he just like basically carries me the last 10 miles you know doing kind of double duty himself and and I and I always remember that feeling of like relief that I felt like uh, my legs are just totally jello and just the relief of getting that support I was like wow okay <laughs> like maybe I can't finish in my mind I was like oh there's no way but now with that, it's like maybe I can't finish. But imagine if, you know, I quit before that moment. You know, I would have never seen, I would have never got the benefit of that, uh, of that, of that moment, you know, for, for me and my dad, but also the analogy I now have about how God, when we're, just, when we're just about to give up, helps carry us through. How we, for each other, when we're just about to give up, somebody comes and they encourages us. Somebody comes and they serve us. You know, it's, it's incredible to be able to carry each other's burdens and the feeling that we can feel when somebody else can really help us. And you feel that like, wow, all right, I, I think maybe I can do this. You know, I really want to lift up Greg Owen. 
I, I see Greg just serving left and right. So like so many people, Greg's calling me, can you help here, can you help there? And um, you know, even for the virtual team camp, he wants to help out, whatever he can do. And uh, you know, I just really appreciate you know the, the Owen family. They just wanna serve and they just consistently will do that. And uh, it's definitely something I admire. But let people carry your burdens. Let people carry our burdens and, and we have to be willing right, to carry each other's burdens to make it through uh, the wilderness. You're not superhuman. None of us are superhuman. What is your plan right now to make it through the desert? Do you have a plan to make it through the wilderness? What is your plan to take care of your mental health right now? You know, it's so challenging. This is mentally taxing in our situation. What is your plan to really take care of, of your well-being during this time? How are you going to deal with your burdens? And does your plan involve allowing other people to help you? We all need help. This is when we need each other more than ever. Right now as a church, this is why we have the church. This is where we need each other. How can you hold up other people's hands right now? Who in your life who's giving all they got, who's trying the best they can, who you see they're tired, you see they're exhausted, you see it's challenging. How can you hold up their, heart, their arms right now? How can you hold up their hands right now? How can you show somebody you love them, you support them, that you might misunderstand everything that they're trying to do, but that you're there for them? It's when you feel like you can't do it anymore that God does his greatest miracles. Who do you have that can hold your arms up right now? You know, my last point today in, uh, you know, surviving the wilderness, making it through, is don't try to be perfect. You know, we all want to be like, I don't know, Bear Grylls or something in the wilderness. Like the guy that, oh, this is easy for me. I made it through the wilderness and uh, it was nothing, you know. But it, it is something and it is hard and it's real. And um, we can't try to be perfect. The best we can do is rely on God in the wilderness. And you know, Moses was far from perfect. He was far, he got tired. People didn't like him. He had to go to God and vent sometimes. And in verse four of uh, in our text, it says that Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. I mean, he goes to God, he cries out, he vents to God. You know, and, and, and we see, and we know this about Moses, that he hasn't been perfect uh, since, we've, since we've known him, right? Since we've known him in the Bible. You know, and earlier when God calls Moses, you know what Moses' reply was to being called on this great mission? Exodus chapter four, verse 10. This was Moses' reply. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So when God calls him on to take on this incredible mission of leading the Israelites out of Egypt, he's like, I can't do it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good at speaking or articulating. I'm not the guy, right? He's not perfect. He understood he was not, he was not perfect. And, and we see Moses later on. They're grumbling again later on in the text and they and they want water, and so he does the same thing with water from a rock, but this time he hits the rock in anger. 
And so Moses even has sinned in his anger. And uh, it, it is challenging when we come face to face with our imperfections. It's hard to understand why. It's hard to even accept the fact that we're not perfect sometimes. And, and uh, you know, for me, one of my imperfections that I would say I've battled with has been, you know, depression and anxiety. And I think uh, depression in a way since, you know, I was 16, 17, around there. And, um, you know, at different times in my life, it hit a lot harder. And uh, I'm really not at a place, thank, thanks be to God, where the lows are as low and the highs are as highs. And I've, I've shared this story with a lot of people, but it was for me one of those things that made me feel like, man, how could God use me? You know, if I don't even feel like getting out of bed, you know, how is God going to be able to use me? And then it would make me feel like I'm not even worthy, you know, to follow God. I'm not worthy to, you know, to, to do these things. And and so I think that that mentality, that mindset can get you to a place of like deep discouragement and even just feeling like, ah, just low, you know, and but it was through God that I saw that that imperfection was necessary for God's power to be manifested in my life. Like God banked on me being imperfect. That is why he sent Jesus. So that this combination, this marriage of Christ and my imperfections can show God's glory in a way that is otherwise unrecognizable to other people. You know, to follow Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus, you do not need to be perfect. This is something I have to, I share with the teens all the time, but I think for us too as adults, we got to remember, it's being, following Jesus is not about being perfect. If that was so... God would not have to have sent Jesus to die for us. So what do we have to do? In John chapter 6, 28 to 29, it says, Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. It's about believing. It's about believing that God can use your imperfections for something incredible. It's about believing that Jesus loves you. Believing that God is gracious with you. Believing that he advocates for you. That believing that when you mess up and you go back to God, he's running out to meet you. Believing that everything you're scared of is going to work out. It's believing that this message can apply to you specifically. It's believing that whatever skeleton you may have in your closet, that he still loves you and he can still do something with you. It's believing that God can transform you if you let him. This is how we have to apply our belief, not just that God is up and up there, but that God in a very personal way is working through our lives. You believe that way. Sometimes we try to have everything figured out ourselves. We try to map it all out. We try to calculate it. We try to figure it all out. And really, sometimes it's just as simple as just stop trying to figure everything out. Stop trying to get it all calculated and scientific and just believe that God is going to get us all through it. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 through 11, one of my favorite passages, uh, Paul writes, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Your weaknesses are actually necessary. Your imperfection is actually necessary for God's glory to be revealed. And the less and, and the and the 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 more uh, perfect you try to come across, the less people will be able to see God. Right? So embrace your imperfections. Don't be insecure about them. These are the things that God is going to transform. I mean, through my depression, I'm able to, 
talk to people uh, about mental illness and, and where God can meet them in that, in a way that and it is a level of connection that that has given me an incredible intimacy with so many awesome people in my life. And so my imperfection has, God has used that to help make my superpower in a sense. And, and it's, it's incredible what God can do. You don't have to be perfect because God is. You know, anytime Satan tells you a lie, replace it with God's truth. The Israelites that day, they won an incredible victory, but they drew their strength from God. God wants to give you and me all amazing breakthroughs, yes, even in the wilderness, and give us incredible victories. You do not have to be perfect. These, the, perfection does not need to be a part of your walk with God, but we have to suspect the best in each other. We have to be willing to support each other and carry each other's burdens. And lastly, not being, not trying to be perfect. Is being with God in the wilderness enough for all of us? And I believe that this time in the wilderness can be a time where we rally together, where we unify, and we can really come out of this stronger than ever. But it takes that daily decision to be there for each other, to support each other, and to fight these negative uh, mindsets that we can have as we're in coronavirus and our situations are awful and it's terrible and you know the boredom or the or the what or the anxiety or the angst of my work is always with me because I'm working from home you know we just gotta be able to see God through all of that we will make it through this time but let's make it through this time you know with love in our hearts for each other Thank you guys so much. I hope this has been helpful. I hope this is going to help us as we uh, survive uh, the wilderness right now. I love you guys. Take care. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.